five, five, four, four, three. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Pleased to be with you tonight. A big interview coming up in the college football world. If you if you know recruiting, if you know Auburn football, then you know Coach Rodney Garner. Coach at L- he coached at Georgia, he's coached at Auburn and Tennessee, but he's back with Auburn, thank God, and he's he's helping lead the charge right now with the 7-2 and two Auburn football team right now that's ranked number ninth in the playoffs with a significant improvement in the, on the defensive side of the ball. If you want to break some politics, this is your show. So for the next hour and a half, two hours, you don't have to worry about Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, you don't have to worry about everything that's been going on, Jonathan, in the political world. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, Brian. I've had a um I've had a pretty good twenty four hours. Got to watch some college football, got to watch some uh, some hockey. Um slept pretty good. I haven't slept um, pretty good in a while. So that well, was hockey. Nice. Hockey hockey. Hockey, hockey, hockey. Well, let's let's jump right in before we, before we do the interview with Rodney. I wanna I wanna discuss the playoff rankings that came out last night from the committee. And and man, even I, I have to agree with Joey Galloway on this one. We usually don't agree, but when when they first showed the rankings, and I saw LSU at number twenty four, for a team to drop eleven spots takes a lot, right? I mean, it takes a lot. Nebraska only dropped nine places. Losing by sixty, so to lose to drop eleven places in the poll, playing the number one team, and you lose ten to nothing. Jonathan, I never saw that coming. I think the committee uh, missed it here big time. I don't know why the all the hate for LSU, but you lose to number one, you don't drop from a, a what was it, thirteen to twenty four. And, and Nebraska loses to Ohio State, and they drop only nine places, but they lose by 60. There's a there's a big difference here. They lost 62 to three. LSU lost 10 to nothing. What was your first thoughts when you saw that? Oh uh, well, I can't say I was surprised, um, because LSU has three losses, and that's something that people are overlooking a little bit. Now, granted, when I say that, their three losses are. Alabama, Wisconsin, and Auburn. And if you look at the rankings, what is that, number one, number seven, and number nine? I mean, wow, those are three horrible losses. How dare you lose the three top ten teams, um, especially if two on the road. But anyways, they have three losses. I think the committee was looking at them, and this was their show-me game to the committee. Now that they have Coach O and the offense seem to have been improving and everything. And the offense came out so flat that I think the committee Terrible. went, no, no, this is Florida light. This is – they looked at LSU's offensive performance and said, they ain't no different than Florida, and we dropped Florida all the way out. Mm-mm, no, no, sir. Yeah, is it, is it kind of the committee saying, okay, LSU, you've been eliminated from any kind of playoff, so we're just putting you at the back of the pack, really? You know, they dropped Florida out of the poll, regardless of what Florida does the rest of the year. They're not going to any playoff. Uh, Arkansas is at 25th. I think that's what they're saying. And I think even – I still think LSU is better than Nebraska. Come on. I mean, Nebraska, they played two t- good teams, and they've got beaten both times. 
at least LSU's beaten somebody. At least LSU uh, hangs in there with the number one team in the country. They don't lose by 60. I just think there's a lot of Big Ten favoritism in this poll, and it, it starts with Michigan at three. You have Ohio State at five, Wisconsin at seven, and Penn State. Are you kidding me? Penn State's a top ten team. That I think will go down to Indiana this year. But it's you're reaching big time. You're showing up too much favoritism when you put a, a two-loss Penn State at number 10. And let's just refresh everybody on Penn State real quick. Let's look at those wins they have. Yeah, they beat Ohio State. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, come back from behind win. Ohio State dominated it. But they, they beat Kent State. They lost to Pittsburgh 42-39. to They beat Temple. They lose by 40 to Michigan. They beat Minnesota at home by three. They beat Maryland by 24. They beat Purdue by 38. And then they beat Iowa by 27. I mean, think about that, Jonathan. There's two ranked teams. Yeah, they beat Ohio State, but they lost by 39 to Michigan. They have beaten nobody. I mean, nobody have they beaten. And lost to Pittsburgh as well. So, I mean, how in the world is Penn State a top 10 team? Honestly, let's be real tonight. Uh, because of the committee, well, A, look, and I put this in my poll, look, every, everybody after nine, and I had Western Michigan at nine, and everybody gets my ass on that. Everybody after nine ain't making the playoff. It don't matter. And who cares? Like, y'all freaking out because A&M is number eight. A&M ain't making the playoff. I don't know why y'all so worried. Like, really, why y'all worried? They're going to lose at least another game. The quarterback's done. Like, what, what, what are you scared for? They're going to finish 8-4 if they're lucky. And they're going to – well, they're ranked number eight this week. Who cares? Next week they won't be. Duh. Let's, let's get that out of there. Penn State's well, number well, 10. The only, the only thing about Penn State being ranked number 10 is that they might go to the Rose Bowl if Ohio State loses another game. That's it. That's all that means is that Penn State has a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. I mean, what does it – what difference well, does it make? Well, A&M loses to unranked Mississippi State, and they fall from four to eight, which is a joke. I mean, it does matter when you lose, of course, but it also matters who you lose to. And to lose to Mississippi State on the road is worth more than a four-place drop, where if you're Florida and you you lose to a good Arkansas team on the road, you lose by 21, you drop out of the polls. That's fine. LSU drops 13, but, but yet A&M only drops four places. What is that? What are they trying to do with A&M here? The quarterback's out for the season. They're not making the playoff. They can't win the SEC unless Alabama loses three SEC games, and that's just not going to happen because LSU, Alabama doesn't play three uh, SEC games. Um, so what is A&M doing in the top ten? That's the team I look to make the, the, the exit out of the top ten just because they're done. Stick a fork in them. Auburn, yes, A&M beat you, but Auburn still controls its own destiny to get to Atlanta into the playoffs. That's why I think A&M needs to be out of the top ten. What do you think about A&M? They're going to be out of the top ten soon, so it doesn't really matter. Again, they just lost Trevor Knight. Like the the yeah, nowhere to go but down. It's not oh oh they're no, number they eight this Miz. week. They were number four last week. What different again, what difference does it make? It's the second week of November. 
we're talking about a team that's going to lose at least another game. LSU is going to trash their ass. There's your final verdict. If you're Auburn fans, I don't know why you're worried. You control your own destiny. Be Alabama, you're in. That's it. Yeah, and uh, I'm just sitting there looking at A&M. Like, this committee is hypocritical. They they speak out of both sides of their mouth. They don't understand what they're doing. If if they were using the same logic as last week, Ohio State would be at number four right now. But yet, okay, A&M lost. We're going to put Washington up there. Why? Washington's resume didn't get any better, but Ohio State's got better by beating a top ten team by 60 points. That's that's what I'm saying. You look at the wins. I think Ohio State's three and one, something against the top 25, and and Washington's won one game against Utah. Congratulations, Washington. But at the end of the day, Ohio State can boast that same resume that a even a better resume than A and M really. And and that's what I guess the worst loss coming to Penn State at number 10 right now. A and M's loss uh, was to Alabama, but still, you look at strength of schedule. You look at on paper, Washington shouldn't be at number four right now. And so Ohio State controls its own destiny as well. They'll take care of that. But Louisville at six, they go up one place in the poll. They beat Boston College by 45. I don't think we should ever see a Louisville team ever go up in the poll again. I think they should stay at six or seven and just stay unless Clemson loses. If Clemson loses, let's let's start looking at Louisville maybe, but they'd have to lose twice. Because if Clemson loses once in the ACC, even if they lost the ACC championship game, Jonathan, I think Clemson makes it. Um, Louisville's out of the playoffs, out of the pitcher, and I think they need to be down a little bit too. I mean, Louisville's got an issue and it's called a weak-ass schedule. That That's their problem. It is a soft, pathetic schedule. They didn't get anybody in their crossover game. And that was one thing they talked about earlier in the year. It's like, oh, hey, look at these crossover games. Oh, they're so nice. We're going to have a good season because we don't play Miami or Virginia Tech or North Carolina or Pittsburgh. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And now Louisville's sitting there going, Damn it! If we couldn't have gotten Virginia Tech and North Carolina for our crossover games, we'd be in the playoff. We'd legitimately be in the playoff conversation. And they're right. They're dead right. You beat Virginia Tech, you beat North Carolina, you beat Florida State, um, and whoever else you have on your schedule because they don't really schedule a tough on conference team. You know, Houston was supposed to be. Um, and it's like, okay, well, Louisville's got some good quality wins. We're going to give them their shot. But you know, hey. when you now you look at Louisville and you're like, you ain't gonna play nobody. Like you don't play nobody now. Well, they have You got you got you got what, one quality win. Yeah, they, they've got one win, and and is that quality really in the committee's eyes? Is Louisville's win over Florida State a quality win? They have them at number eighteen, so yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, but I'm talking about in their eyes. Is an 18 is is a win over an 18 team in the committee's eyes a big win? Because we saw Ohio State beat. You know, they lost to Penn State, but let's let's see Ohio State beats number seven Wisconsin, and they're still at number five right now. You know, in the in the polls. So I don't know. I mean, Louisville has nothing to do. Stay where they are. Go down because as soon as Auburn, if they went out, they're jumping them. Even Oklahoma may, if they win, I don't know. Oklahoma in the Big 12, I, I think their ceiling's probably about nine or eight. I don't oh, think they can get much around. higher. Yeah, but I mean, but you can't put them in the playoffs. There's nothing you could. There's nothing they've done 
to deserve a playoff. They've lost a two. We lost our out-of-conference game, both of them, by double-digit points, embarrassed by Ohio State, beaten by a bad Houston team. Okay, you beat a bad Big 12. You won the Big 12. Congratulations. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we, we saw this Oklahoma team, a better Oklahoma team, play last year in the playoff against Clemson and get dusted. I don't think the committee is going to let that happen again. I think they see Oklahoma for what they are. And I think if anybody has a beef right now, it's Oklahoma State at 13. Sitting right here with that one loss, it shouldn't have happened. So let's put Oklahoma State. Let's go ahead and put Oklahoma State at 11 ahead of Oklahoma because we know that Oklahoma State, they haven't lost. They didn't lose that game. I'm sorry. I don't care what the record book says. They didn't lose that game. But, again, they didn't play anybody, Jonathan. I mean, Oklahoma State played southeastern Louisiana, central Michigan, uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, congratulations. That's That's a real tough schedule. They lost to Baylor by 11, which is looking bad right now. That Baylor loss is looking bad, even though it was at Baylor after they lost by 40. But I'm going to go ahead and eliminate the Big 12 again. Again, I've already done it once, but I'm going to go ahead and eliminate the Big 12 from any playoffs this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're going to play in whatever they're – I think their conference – Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl, yeah. So – I think they'll get a team, you know, they'll, they'll have their team of Super Bowl, and that's about it. Whoop de do. Um, I don't that'd even be, think that'd they be a good that game, wasn't large. it? The Auburn, and, Auburn and Oklahoma, that'd be a pretty good game, wasn't it? No. Well, you know, that, that depends on your definition because there there's three outcomes in all reality. So Auburn smokes Oklahoma because Oklahoma's defense is terrible. Um, outcome number two is Oklahoma smokes Auburn because well, Auburn didn't care because it was a national championship. Uh, and then outcome <laughs> number three is we have a good game because Oklahoma's defense actually, like, showed up at some point. Um, I would lean more towards play outcome number two, is that Auburn's like, oh, who cares? Why would we even show up? Honestly. No. I mean, the way that y'all SEC fans talk about these non-national championship bowl games, I feel like your players don't show up for them either. Um, but that, I, I but to be honest, if SEC, they play – I said, I said Alabama. That's who I said. Alabama, yeah, not Auburn. Auburn. No, 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 no. Because when Michigan dusted Florida last year, you heard the same thing. Well, Florida didn't really care. Like, no, who cares? It, it, no, 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 no. This is a conference. This is not a conference philosophy. You're all lumped into this. Deal with it. Um, I think if these two teams played next week, Auburn crush them. That, that, that's my belief. As long as Sean White's healthy, Auburn yeah. crush them. Yeah, we're going to do the Rodney Garner interview at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, 15 more minutes away. And then we're going to, after the the interview, we're going to finish up some predictions and everything going over the games. But what do you think of Rodney Garner, Jonathan? You know the recruiting world. You know where this guy comes from. Rivals had him in 2016 ranked the number two recruiter in America. I think if they had it to do all over again with those players that he's bringing in playing right now, I think he'd be number one over T. Martin. What do you think about Rodney Garner's ability to coach and recruit? Well, I mean, he's proven he's a good coach time and time again. I think every stop he's been at, uh, he's left uh, his unit in better shape than it was before he got there. And obviously he's an excellent recruiter. Um, you know, when, A, when you're ranked the number two recruiter in the country, 
you're doing something right. <laughs> B, when you're doing that at, at Auburn and you can actually see the talent Auburn's brought in, then you know he's done it right because we have the evidence in front of us. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I, I think highly of Rodney Garner. I think he's a, an excellent assistant coach. Um, and that he's, I mean, he's found a perfect role for him, and he's one of the best at it. Yeah, that's his that's his position. That's that's what he wants to do. The kids look at him, and I can't wait to to talk to him in just a few minutes. But looking through the rest of this poll, you know, USC's finally unranked. But let me tell you this: you know where Vegas has LSU ranked right now. If you look at point spreads, matchups against teams, LSU is ranked number eight in the country right now based off the talent on their team, what Vegas thinks they would be against another team on a neutral field. Uh, number eight, to drop to 24 is crazy. Florida dropping well, out of the poll, Jonathan. I know, I know that made you feel good, Florida. Getting beat by 21 on the road to Arkansas, and they just said, okay. Mm-hmm. They finally they, they listened to weigh-in sports talk, and they, they realized Florida was a fraud, and they dropped. Is that what mm-hmm. happened? Uh, well, uh, that's what I'm going to say happened because, damn, <laughs> like you know, and it's funny because look, Florida still has a shot to like go ten and two, and when uh, I just deal with it, win the conference and play in a good bowl game as you know an eleven and two team uh, that that won't happen most likely, but stranger things have happened. Uh, remember, Kansas went twelve and one one year and won the Orange Bowl, uh, so. Oh, you know, I, I just – I think it's funny that, that was Florida a good State Kansas is number team. 18 and Florida's not ranked. Like, that's that's funny to me. Yeah. I mean, Florida's going to lose to LSU. That's going to be loss yeah. number three. They're going to lose to Florida State. That's loss number four. And we'll talk about the game tonight, but I don't know why they're a double-digit favorite at home over South Carolina right now. South Carolina's playing good defense. Mm-hmm. They've got a good quarterback. And mm-hmm. I just don't understand. How does my sound sound right now, Jonathan? Oh, you sound real good. Okay, good. But I mean, Florida's going to end up with four or five losses. They're going to yep. go to the Independence Bowl somewhere. But I think, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken, Florida Florida benched their quarterback. Am I right? Did they change quarterbacks on us all of a sudden? Did McElwain feel the pressure to? Well. Luke Del Rio apparently has a shoulder injury. Um, don't know <laughs> how much I it. believe. <laughs> I don't know how much I believe that, but Del Rio apparently has a shoulder injury. Um, g- give me, give me like thirty seconds here. Florida sucks. Florida sucks. Florida sucks. Florida really, 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 really sucks. Your defense is awful <laughs> and overrated. Don't tell me that the offense is so bad that the defense. Uh, is left out there too long. No, because Arkansas ran for over 200 yards on you when we haven't run for over 200 yards on anybody. Okay, so your defense sucks. Your defensive line's terrible. You guys couldn't cover a slot receiver, so your secondary is overrated. Your running game's no good. Glad you, t- you flipped Jordan Starlet. Hey, guys, we flipped Dalvin Cook from you. Kiss my ass. Who won that battle? Um, you have no receivers worth a damn. Your offensive line is terrible. Luke Del Rio was supposed to be a standard. Language. He was an eight-string quarterback <laughs> in Alabama. That, sorry. Luke Del Rio was supposed to be the saver because he was the eighth-string quarterback at Alabama. He couldn't get practice reps. We made you think he was going to do good at Florida. And now you're going to start a kid from, uh, from Purdue who wasn't any good at Purdue. So, whoop you do you're better off starting the true freshman Franks, who we all know Franks ain't going to be ready to play next year. 
So y'all are going to be still stuck in the same mess. Florida is trash. Y'all are trash. And your fan base needs to find a hole and sit in it and then cover up with some leaves and some, and some elephant dung and, and, and you stew in that because y'all are trash. Well, I think Tennessee is going to end up going to the SEC championship game after the predictions I've given you. Uh, Florida is not going to beat LSU on the road in Baton Rouge. Tennessee is mm. going to beat Kentucky. They're going to beat Missouri, and they're going to beat Vandy. And you're going to mm. see a rematch of Alabama-Tennessee, or you're going to see an Auburn-Tennessee matchup, one of the two. Which one would you want to see? You've already seen one. Which one would you rather see? Auburn and Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky's out. They're done. Well, what if they beat Tennessee? Don't they still? No, no, they actually don't. Because they would, you know, South Carolina still has a shot to win the SEC East. So Auburn and South Carolina, just like good old times. Oh, could you imagine Muschamp versus uh, his former team yeah. last year? Oh, that would be oh that would goodness. be some hard feelings. It'd be fun. That you know, I'd, I'd like to see that. South Carolina still has a shot to win it. So I'm going to say I want to see Auburn. Brian, you know, in the SEC West, I wrote for you guys. If you know, if I'm a lean one way, I'm a lean Auburn. Um, as much as I like LSU as well over there, just because I get you know I got friends and family from uh, Baton Rouge, but uh, you know, y'all turned me on to Auburn, so I'm I'm a root for Auburn in the SEC West, just like I root for Tennessee in the SEC East. Well, you you heard Herb Street last night, didn't you? He said, uh, "Skip over Alabama. Part? Forget the Iron Bowl. Forget the SEC championship. Forget all that. Put Alabama." In Atlanta, the first round of the playoffs, because Auburn has no chance in the Iron Bowl and the SEC champion in the East has no chance. I'll give him one of those, but yeah. to sit here and say to go ahead and skip past an Iron Bowl is kind of stupid. Maybe you think he's doing that to to be facetious, or because he's never talked like that yes. before. I just think, yes. yeah, he's being facetious. Well, you could tell he yeah. was annoyed last night because they asked him about A and M. And he was just kind of like, they're going to lose like two or three more games. So what difference does it make? <laughs> you know, they just lost the quarterback. Off. They might lose this week. I mean, he 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 did not want to hear about A and M. He, you can tell he's tired of everybody talking about Alabama beating unbeatable. And I bet you, if they had piped up with some slick stuff about Ohio State, he would have gone off because everybody's talking about how Ohio State's the only team in the country that can beat Alabama. And I've watched a lot of teams. What makes them think Ohio State, who can't throw the ball at all, is going to beat Alabama? What? No, 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 no. no. A good quarterback has to beat Alabama. Somebody who can actually throw the football. Well, well, you look at Clemson. They got a a second round, first round, second overall quarterback. They've got Mm -hmm. a first round, two first round receivers, probably maybe a second round receiver, and a first round Mm -hmm. running back. So you telling um, me that Clemson, Clemson can't beat an Alabama team? That's probably the in the playoff. If we if the playoff was today, just say forget Washington. Let's let's move Washington out. Put Ohio State in. The only team that could beat Alabama is Alabama. I mean, is Clemson. Alabama wouldn't lose to Michigan. That would be a repeat of what you saw in Michigan State game. Ohio State, like you said, mm-mm. if you can't stretch Alabama. You're dead, and Ohio State doesn't have the playmakers on the outside this year to be able, or the running back, really, to me. To, they don't have Ezekiel Elliott. Look what he's doing in Dallas right now. 
So that that'll tell you what they lost. Ohio State. There's not many teams that can beat weapon. Alabama. Ohio State's best offensive weapon gets the ball like three times a game because the coaching staff is is stupid. I'm I'm not saying Urban Meyer's a terrible coach, but he seems to have gotten dumber at, at this season. Um, but uh, I, I, Michigan's got a nasty defense. I, I don't care what you guys perceive think of the Big Ten. Michigan's got a better defense than Michigan State wished they had last year. Offensively, Michigan State has a better running. Uh, Michigan has a better running back than Michigan State had last year. Michigan's got a much better tight end, who's probably going to be a first round pick. They have two receivers who are going to be first or second round picks, and they got a quarterback who don't turn the ball over. I'm not writing Michigan off right away. Everybody wants to write Michigan off, and when you watch yeah. the team, it's like I think they beat the number ten team by thirty nine. They beat the number twelve team by seventeen. They beat the number seventeen, and if their kicker hadn't shanked everything, would have beat them by double digits. It's like this is a good Michigan team. They really are. It is. You can't, look, people are looking you at can't ride weapons, anybody like, off. Three top 12s. You can't really ride anybody off this time of year, especially if you're 9-0 and right now and if you get in the playoff. And I think Washington, if they can – I mean, people are talking about Washington like they're definitely going to lose the game. But I don't know. USC this week, Jason Humphrey says that, that they're going to lose. He, he thinks they're going to lose this weekend. I don't know about that. Um, but if Washington Seattle. wins out, if Washington wins out, they're going to go to the playoffs, and they could. You know why they could beat Alabama? Because um, they have a because good they got like two good running backs and like three good receivers, and one of probably the best quarterbacks yeah. in the country. Yeah. Washington oh, and a defense a with the best secondary. Yeah, I think Washington is a team that. You know, could be a dark course. You know, nobody's really talking about them, even though they're in the top four. They're talking about Ohio State, Clemson, and and Alabama. I know you've talked about them, but I still, I'd be surprised if they went undefeated. I I, I would. I, I still think the pressure in November, like I said, gets tougher and tougher. And, Jonathan, I'm going to mute you for a second and see if something's mm-hmm. going to get fixed. See if it's me or, or you, maybe me. But, uh, yeah, it's you. If it sounds a lot better now, but um, well, in November the pressure gets so deep, so intense that a lot of these teams can't handle the pressure. We saw A and M last week. November came. They resort back to their. They revert back to their old ways. A and M is still A and M, and we're about to bring on Rodney Garner. Get him onto this show, Rodney Garner. Man, he's a legend. He's a He's an all-SEC lineman, offensive lineman at Auburn back in 88. Played under the, the famous coach Pat Dye. Still has a close relationship with him. He sent a ton of players to the NFL. If you go look, first-rounders as well. In, 2013, in 2012, excuse me, he was at Georgia when they were just five yards away from beating Alabama and winning a national championship. And one thing in this interview I want to make sure I touch on is Rodney left 2012 Georgia to come to a 2013 Auburn team that was 0 and 8, 3 and 9 overall, 0 and 8 in the conference. And all of a sudden, you you hear a name mentioned D Ford at Auburn. All of a sudden, D Ford became relevant when Rodney Gardner became his coach. Uh, it's paying huge dividends for him right now in the NFL. One of the sack leaders right now. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to call Rodney. We're going to do the interview. After the interview, we will come back and we will discuss all of these games right quick. But I do have a little intro to play for this interview. So Jonathan, you're on mute right now. Quinn, I see you in there, and we will be back in just a few. Enjoy the interview with Auburn coach Rodney Garner. Hey, thank you. I know you're very busy right now, and, and it's an honor, like I said before you got on the, the program here, it's been an honor to, to have you today and just to watch your career. Um, ever since 88, you was an off- SEC all-offensive lineman back in 88 at Auburn. You coached at Georgia, and now you're back with Auburn. Just in your words as a player and a coach, how big is this Georgia rivalry compared to the Iron Bowl? Well, it's uh, it's a very it's a very important game, you know, to Auburn. Uh, you know, I learned that you know as a player, you know, playing here for Coach Dye, uh, you know, we we put a great emphasis, you know, on the Georgia game. You know, obviously, uh, um, a large percentage of our roster, you know, it comes from the state of Georgia, so uh, it's very important to you know, our success to be able to recruit in the state of Georgia and, you know, to be a you know, successful program. You just look at the history of Auburn football. You know, a lot of a lot of young men from the state of Georgia have made tremendous, you know, impact, you know, on our success. You know, just you know, just look at more, most recently here, you know, Cam Newton. You know, he's a product of, you know, Westlake's high school in Atlanta. So, you know, it's very important, you know, it's the South oldest rivalry. And, uh, you know, like I said, our kids really, you know, they look forward to playing Georgia every year. Well, Coach, I've done interviews with with some of the top recruiting services in the country, and and everyone comes back to you. Rodney Gardner is at least the top two, if not the number one uh, recruiter in college football. And to, to be able to have that label, you've had to earn it with with integrity you know, over the past 20, 30 years you've been in this business. Tell me in recruiting these days, what? how hard is it? I mean, I know you, you go straight to the kid and you you want that, but how important is it to have the parents uh, on board with you when you're when you're trying to recruit a kid? Well, let me just say this. You know, I've been very blessed, you know, in my career. You know, I've worked at some really, really good schools. You know, I'm blessed to be at my alma mater, you know, I played here at Auburn, and I worked at you know University of Tennessee, and I spent 15 years in Athens. So, you know, I've been blessed to have you know a really, really good product uh, to go sell, and I've been blessed to work for some really, really good head coaches that were great men and set great examples for young men. So, parents, you know, wanted their their young men to be a part of our program. And uh, I think that's that's the most important thing that you run your program in a way that a parent feels like that they they're going to hand you over a young man and they expect you to give them a man back. And uh, so you know that you know I, I I just feel very blessed to have been put in that position and 
And we just try to do things the right way. We try to, you know, help prepare these young men. You know, you know, obviously we got to win games on the field. You know, that's that's paramount to us being successful and being able to continue to coach. But we also have to prepare these young men for the game of life, which is going to be the most important game that they're going to play. That's that's exactly right, and and that's what you you're the best at doing. And and this is not just my opinion. This comes from a lot of people. And coach, if you don't mind, I want to go back. You know, people say that this this season that Auburn's playing mirrors 2013, your first year at Auburn under Gus Malzahn here. Um, coming off of 2012, you were just a yard or two away from probably winning a national championship. How was it when you first came to Auburn after that? Three and nine season, the zero and eight. How was the? What was the mentality, and and how did you get that team turned around? I've never seen a team go from three and nine to a national championship game in the in one year. So, could you tell us about that? Well, you know, obviously, you know, the young men that were here in this program, you know, they they were very beat down. They they came off a season where, like you said, they finished three and nine. Uh, they didn't win a conference game, uh, and they weren't very competitive. And, and, and many of those games that they played, and just I guess just to be able to come in as a new staff, I think it was a fresh start. You know, we really didn't pay uh, much attention to the film uh, from the three and nine season. We told everybody they was going to have a fresh start, and that we were going to go, you know, go forward from there. And we were just going to focus, you know, for right now, just on getting Auburn better. And, you know, and that's what we asked them to do, buy in, do the things that we asked them to do, you know, put, put aside your own selfish agendas, and let's make it all about Auburn. And, uh, and let's go out here every day and prepare to get a little better every single day. And, you know, we had some really good young men, you know, that were a part of that program uh, that bought in. And then, you know, you look at, you know, you know Nick Marshall, who's a, a young man from the state of Georgia, you know, he played a very, very instrumental role in, in that resurgence, you know, of, of, of Auburn getting turned around. And the guys just, they went to work. And, you know, obviously, you know, you got to have luck. you got to have some breaks. You know, we found ways to win games instead of finding ways to lose games. And, uh, you know, there were some tight games. And, you know, we were just, you know, the ball bounced our way uh, several times. And, you know, we just feel that the kids really bought in and did a, uh, a tremendous job. You know, in 2010, that was that was an honor to, to be at that national championship game, but to me, the most special season that I remember is that 2013 team. We, we did fall short, but it was just the, the comeback story that these coaches, you coaches, were able to, to get these guys to play at that level and to believe. So, so this year's team, how does it, how does it mirror 2013 team? What are the similarities you can tell? Well, there's a lot of parallels. You know, in fact, you know, we talked about it a little bit, you know, yesterday, you know, just to my segment. You know, there are a lot of parallels. And, you know, the thing that, you know, I've challenged my guys to do is to, you know, be more assertive. We need more leadership. And we need to, you know, not be afraid to, to call one another out, you know, I don't think, you know, the last two weeks that we played with the same, you know, razor-like focus that we that we did when we were one and two trying to get the thing back, turn around. So, you know, we just got to re, regroup, 
and uh, refocus and just understand that, you know, we're not good enough that we can look past any opponent. You know, we've got to take it one game at a time, you know, one snap at a time, one day at a time, you know, just and try, try to get a little bit better every single day. And that's got to be our focus. That's, that's what's got us here in this position where we are today. Is is uh, uh, with everybody buying into that mindset, and we just can't, you know, get the attitude now that we have arrived because we're so far from that, and uh, there's just so much room for improvement, and that uh, we just need to all, you know, be on the same page. And, and I know I'm I'm just guessing that these rival games coming up, it makes it easier on coaches. I don't think you have to really try to get their attention, but I'm sure Vanderbilt a good team that came into the Plains this weekend, I'm sure that got our attention, your guys' attention, and said, okay, we have to be focused, like razor sharp, like you talked about, to finish this season. And it's so hard, I bet, for the coach to try to get these kids to look at the next game instead of looking two weeks or three weeks down the road. And, and you saw it happen this week. You see it happen every year in college football, Coach. Some team looks ahead and they get if they get bit in this SEC conference. It's just tough week in and week out. So I'm sure it's easier now with the rival games coming up, right? Well, you, you hope so. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're dealing with a new generation. <laughs> so, you know, they never <laughs> seem to seem to amaze you. But uh, you, you would like to think that. And uh, like I said, you know, you just look at, you know, the last, you know, last 10 years, you know, you know, Georgia has had Auburn's number. And so, you know, we've got to make sure that we're very attentive, you know, to this week's task and make sure that everybody's focused, everybody knows their assignments, everybody everybody's able to go out and execute and play great fundamental football because it's going to take a great effort, you know, to to be able to come between the hedges and, and play the Bulldogs. You know, they're, they're a very good program. they got a very good coaching staff. they got good players. Uh, so it, it's going to take our best effort. And uh, and that's the thing that, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that we convey, you know, to all our players that they understand what is what is it going to take to be able to go over there and play on the road in such a uh, you know, hostile environment. Yeah, I've, been a, I've watched for a long time. You've seen it no matter what the record is. Georgia, Auburn, you can throw the records out the, out the window because they don't matter. But, Coach, a question that I wanted to ask you and – you know, over the last five or six years, I've noticed, you know, before freshmen didn't play in the SEC, regardless of how talented uh, the player was. But I've noticed this Auburn team, especially on the defensive line, linebackers, these, every time I see a, a big play, it's by an underclassman. So what, what makes a freshman able to come into a game today in the SEC and play and contribute immediately compared to years past? Well, you know, you know, obviously they've got to have maturity, and uh, you know, I'm, we've been very blessed, you know, this year to uh, you know have several freshmen that were able to come in and be able to contribute and play, and play major roles actually in in this season. So, but you know, those guys they do possess, you know, a, a, a high level of maturity. They're not your typical freshmen. Uh, you know, I know. Myself personally, you know, I have two young men that are, that are, that are true freshmen that are playing 
a significant role. And uh, I just think back, you know, in my 27 years of, you know, coaching in this league, I know that they would have to rank, you know, in the top, you know, tier of the freshmen that I've had the, had the opportunity to coach. And uh, just watching them to develop, you know, from fall camp to where we are now, it's, it's, it's been really, it's been really, really uh, interesting to see them develop and mature as players and as young men. And just looking at, you know, what, what, you know, they have so much potential and what they have the ability of one day being or becoming is, is really exciting. Yeah, and, and you've coached, you've had 28 players go to the NFL, six first-round draft picks. And, uh, and, and this is a linebacker situation. I'm not sure of, of – I mean, I'm sure you know about it. But over the years, the Auburn linebacker play – has not been what it was in the years you played in, in the 90s. And all of a sudden, Auburn's linebackers are, I mean, these guys are young. They're freshmen, sophomores. And I've never, it's been a long time, Coach, since I've seen the linebacker play at Auburn beats at such a high level. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think, you know, that, that's a, a direct, you know, tribute to Coach Travis Williams. Well, I think Travis is probably one of the brightest, you know, up-and-coming young, young coaches in all of college football. Uh, you know, he played the position, uh, so he, he's done it in the fire. And, uh, you know, he's very knowledgeable. He's a great teacher. He's a great motivator. Uh, you know, I think those kids are really just bought into his per- personality. Uh, you see it come out, you know, every Saturday on the field, you know, his personality and what they show. And I think they're just, became, they're just gaining confidence, you know, every day that they go out there and they play on the field, and I think you'll continue to see them just get better every week. Well, Coach, it's it's been an honor to watch this year. This is turning into one of my favorite Auburn teams, and and one of the players that I noticed you had a big impact on when you first came through Auburn in 2013, D. Ford. Um, could you tell us about him? He's 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 dominating the NFL right now in sacks. So, how was he when you first? when you first joined Auburn in 13 compared to the end of the season when you were working well, with people? Well, you, know, you, know, you know, just watching him, you know, just grow and mature. I'm sure, you know, he was, you know, he probably thought a lot of himself, but, you know, coming off of a 3-9 and nine season, he was really an unknown thing. <laughs> and, he, and he was one of the guys that, you know, just, just came in and every day, hey, guys, you know, this is what we got to do to get to where we want to be. And, you know, he was one of the guys that was always taking notes. He was always very attentive to, you know, haunting his craft. He came in and did extra. He studied film. He stayed after practice. He worked on his hands. He worked on his get off. And just to see him develop into the type of player that he is, which I still think he's just scratching the surface. I think he still has so much room to grow and develop that, you know, is scary, you know, that what he may become one day as a pass rusher. And, you know, that was the thing that I was talking to, you know, some of our people today that do some of our marketing stuff. You know, there's some, some parallels. great to see, you know, Diddy's tied for second, you know, in the NFL right now with Sachs. And then, you know, Carl is second, you know, in the SEC. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, great parallels and hopefully, that, you know, people will see that, you know, it's, it's not about me, but, you know, at Auburn, we do do a great job 
of trying to develop our players on and off the field. You know, D Ford left here with a degree uh, in hand, and he's been able to go on to the next level and, and also become an outstanding player. And that's the same thing with Carl Lawson. That, you know, we're going to graduate these young men. We're going to make sure they get their degrees. But we're also going to make sure that we give them an opportunity to pursue, you know, their lifelong dreams. Well, Coach, this is, uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk with you. But one last question. I know you're, you're married with six children. How do you balance the, the coaching life? I know the demand the SEC has on you, the job in your family, and also how do you get all your children to be Auburn fans and not be mixed between Auburn and Georgia? How hard is that? Well, you know, I'm well, you know, one, you know, me and my wife both, you know, we're both Auburn grads. Uh, you know, my, you know, uh, my second oldest daughter, you know, she was born in Knoxville, but she turned one in Athens, and uh, four of the girls were born in Athens. You know, so they spent 15 years over there. Uh, but, you know, uh, Bree, you know, she's in her second year at Auburn, and I think they've all bought in. So, uh, you know, that was always a dream of mine was for my girls, you know, to have an opportunity to go to my alma mater, you know. So even when it's not taking anything away from where I was working at any other schools, but I just think as a parent, you know, you always want to see your, your children, you know, go to your school. And uh, so, you know, it's really a blessing, you know, to be be able to be back at home at Auburn, have my daughter in school here. She's actually sitting here with me right now while we're watching film. Uh, she's right from <laughs> class. So, it's, it's, you know, it's just great. You know, I, it's just, this has been so rewarding to me on so many ends, you know, being able to be here with Bree, you know, for, you know, for her college, you know, experience and to be able to see Coach die, you know, your chance to see him about, you know, five, six days a week, <laughs> I get told what to do all the time. So, you know, he, he was here yesterday morning, great fan with me. He's already been by the day. Uh, we don't practice on Monday, so but he'll be here tomorrow for practice, Wednesday for practice, Thursday for practice. You know, so it's, it's, it's just it's been really rewarding for me, you know, to be able to be back at home and hopefully give something back to a place that has just given so much to me. You know, when I decided to become an Auburn Tiger in 1984, you know, it, it, it has paid dividends in my life, you know, ever since, and it continues to do do so in, in my entire family. And, you know, I hope my kids see that, and I just hope that, you know, I'm doing something to repay Auburn for what it's done for me. Well, Coach, speaking as a big fan, uh, from a big fan, we hope we keep you forever, and, and we love you as a coach there at Auburn. You are you just a, a foothold. I mean, you're just such a great man, and and it's not just coming from me. It's I can talk to. I live in Georgia, and I talk to Georgia people, and they they never one time have said anything bad about Coach Garner. They always say say good things, and and well, Georgia was good to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they love you. I mean they they. Well, like you said, Georgia was good to me. Coach Garner. Yeah, yeah, it was good to me. It was good to my family, and. Uh, we really enjoyed our time in Athens and, you know, worked, had the opportunity to work for three great, I mean, two great head coaches and Coach Dunn and, and Coach Rick, and, and they just always, you know, made me and my family feel very welcome. Well, Coach, your Twitter handle is CoachG76, correct? Yes, sir. All right, I'd let, let people know on air how they can reach you and, and tweet you and watch your tweets. I do 
I do follow you and, and, and see some of the tweets coming out. But it was a, a great privilege to discuss the football with you today, especially Auburn football coach. Good luck this weekend and the rest of the season, and, and I look forward to talking with you in the future. Right, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. That was Coach Rodney Garner, the assistant head coach at Auburn. What a great interview. What a great man. We appreciate the time that he took with us and spent with us today to talk about it. This guy has so much going on. It's unbelievable. Uh, Thank you, Coach Garner, from Million Sports. God bless. Take care. Love the interview with Coach Rodney Gardner. I know I did. It's a, it was a privilege and honor to get to speak with him. Jonathan, we'll start with you and bring Quinn on. What did you think about Coach Gardner? It's good to get a perspective from a coach, especially one that that you can tell by listening to him. He has a passion for kids. He has a passion for Auburn. And when you have passion like that, you have chemistry. When you have chemistry, you can win football games, especially with the talent Auburn has on the field right now. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, he he came off obviously as a as a humble guy, and I lo- I loved hearing his perspective on uh, on everything. Uh, you know, obviously much much respect for Coach Garner. You know, I I got to be aware of him when he was at Georgia, and obviously now he's at Auburn. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like uh, you guys haven't mentioned him before for what he's done. Um, it, it was <laughs> it, it was really cool hearing about that with the kids. You know, it, my wife's an Auburn fan. I graduated from Auburn, so yeah, they're Auburn fans. It doesn't matter where they were born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he has he has twins, and and let's bring Quinn on. Quinn's a big Auburn fan. He knows Rodney Gardner. Quinn, what'd you think of the interview with Coach? It was it was a really good interview. It was interesting to get his perspective and uh, and just uh, how he goes about approaching coaching and things like that. So it was, it was a really good interview. Well, one thing you mentioned um, was the the focus, the edge. When Auburn was one and two, I think, you know, the coaches had their attention. They started playing very well. They went to – they beat LSU on that, that crazy game, which I think turned their season around. They went to Starkville. First road game took care of business, thirty-five to nothing and a half, fifty-six to three over Arkansas the next week. Then they go. He starts talking about the little slide, Jonathan. You could tell like the focus. Ole Miss, they they got by Ole Miss, won that game on the road. But then the Vanderbilt game came. All of a sudden, you have John Franklin the third starting the game. Um, three line, two line, two of the starting linebackers was out. The third one, the backup, got ejected for targeting. All of a sudden, you're in a dogfight, and I think it's it's because you lose that edge sometimes. You think, oh, Arkansas or Vanderbilt's coming into town. We're we're a 26 point favorite. We're gonna roll over them. But it's hard for me not to imagine that this team was looking ahead to Georgia. And I think it's human nature when you watch that Vanderbilt game to know that 40 percent of the staff or 40 percent of the kids are from are from Georgia, and so. The Iron Bowl is the rivalry for Auburn, but this is a rivalry as well to these players. The Iron Bowl's for the fans. I think the Iron or the depends on how many what percentage you have every year. But it seems like this is a big rival game for them. Could they have been looking ahead? Has Auburn lost a little bit of their edge? Uh, 
over the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, we've talked about it. It's not like Ole Miss is a terrible team. I mean, you don't consider a quality win, obviously, um, because of how south their season's gone. Um, yes, of course you do. Um, just, just like anybody else who really beat them except Florida State fans at this point, we're like, yeah, no, no, sorry, that was misleading. Um, but you know, the, the <laughs> Vanderbilt game, do I think they might have been looking ahead a little bit? Yeah, because you watch Vanderbilt this year, and you're like, oh, they're not that good. We'll roll right through them. And you forget that their defense is actually pretty damn good. And, you know, it's like their offense is somewhat competent to lead. You know, they, their offense isn't atrocious on the level of, some of the other programs we've seen, like Boston College, but you know it's they're good enough to where they can hang around and make you nervous. So that's exactly what happened. Um, so I think Coach Garner had, you know, I think I think he was dead on with. They lost a little bit of focus. You know, you you, you when you get on a big winning streak like that, at some point the players are just going to start to assume they're going to walk in and win. Well, well, Jonathan, how hard is it to play at that level? every week. It's impossible, isn't it? You have to be good enough to play a bad game and still win if you're going to win a national championship That's or to make it to the playoff. You can't dominate every game and just be on. You know, Alabama, you know, they won by they won like crap the other night. They won by 10 points. I mean, that's a close game. Quinn, I mean, Auburn, if you're an Auburn fan, you could have probably predicted this was going to happen. I know you had concerns about it being a noon kickoff game, the history of Auburn coming off a big road night win at home the next week against an inferior opponent, Saber big at noon, watch out. And it almost happened. We were fortunate to win that football game. Yeah, they they came out flat in the first half. And, yeah, it was scary there for a little bit until the no, second half. Auburn, did, Auburn, Auburn wasn't flat starting the first half. They got flat when they fumbled, when John Franklin fumbled the ball. Auburn was moving the ball that's, very well, and and that fumble killed them, didn't it, Quinn? Yeah. Yeah, The after the fumble is when it started to go downhill for the rest of the first half. But, yeah, I think they overlooked Vandy a little bit. I, I expect them to be really laser-focused um, when they go to Georgia on uh, Saturday. But I still think it was important, and let me make an apology. Uh, and when I'm wrong, I'm going to say I'm wrong. Uh, I never expected Sean White to to be the quarterback. I didn't expect him to develop that fast and to be where he is now. I did think John Franklin III would be better and contribute more than he has. I was wrong, of course. Obviously, I am. But I think it was good that he got some playing time. It was good to see – what he could do. Is he the quarterback you want to take to Tuscaloosa? If, if you're fumbling against Vanderbilt, I worry about when Alabama hits you because they're not just going to hit you. They're going to try to kill you. It's just like Rocky. You know that movie when, when Mick was talking to Rocky, telling about Mr. T, Jonathan, he's not going to hurt you. He's going to permanently hurt you. He said he permanently hurt you. Remember? Yeah. Um, permanently. I mean <laughs> – Here's my thing. Now, obviously, I have not been a JF3 proponent. I think that's well known. Oh, I no. actually don't like talking no, about not him. not you. Not um, you. I think it's funny how Sean White was magically healthy for the second half. So you yeah, knew that the plan, 
the plan going into that game was we're going to start Franklin because we think we should win this game. Let's give Sean a week off to make sure he's 100% healthy for Georgia because that's such a big game uh, to the program. And uh, when they saw that first <laughs> half went, they're like, nope, 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 no, 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 this ain't happening. No, no, we're done. John, go to the bench. You suck. We're done. Nope. Uh-uh. Not doing it. Sean, John, I'm, I'm sorry we told you you had a week <laughs> off. We lied. John, John, John screwed it up for you. Go yell at him later. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Uh, side note, Zach Cunningham, I, you know, obviously I was on the show Sunday because I had, you know, I had a conflict um, of scheduling. Uh, you know, Zach Cunningham is I did amazing. Have a, I did have a 2.30 show, kind of. It's kind of a little off schedule there, so it's not your fault. Well, you know, usually I leave my Sundays open, but I got a phone call. Uh, my little brother was playing in a tournament in Sarasota uh, for a travel ball. Uh, 14U, and they actually won the championship. I was at the baseball team. Congratulations. Thirty. <laughs> no, hey, man, that was, <laughs> won the championship game 16-1. to one. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, wow. it, it was awesome. It was actually uh, – the team got a new coach this year, and it was their first championship under a new coach. Um, the previous five tournaments, the team that knocked them out of the tournament had gone to win a championship. So it was nice to finally get over the hump. Uh, little brother had two stand-up triples, uh, finished seven for 13 on the weekend with, um, two walks, uh, his last at bat, the coach told him swing at the first pitch because we're about to mercy kill him anyways. And he actually somehow grounded right back to the pitcher for a double play. <laughs> but outside of that, man, I mean, it, you know, uh, going, going back to it, Zach Cunningham, that block field goal was obviously amazing, but that linebacker he was, he was right there. Whatever. He's had a great season. That guy has I – and mean, that's the guy who had 19 tackles against Georgia. Zach Cunningham is a legitimate NFL talent. And that's why, if you're Vanderbilt, you don't want to get rid of Derek Mason. Because you look at that defense, and you're like, man, it's good. Can we get some offense? So, please, pretty, 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 please. You know, that, that, that's all it is. I think Vanderbilt's defense is better than people give them credit for. I really do. It's not like Kentucky. Where you look at Kentucky, and you're like, man, their defense is trash. And it's either their offense is going to score a lot or it's going to score none. Vanderbilt, you're like, well, they're going to score none, but their defense is damn good, you know? Well, well, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you what's funny is Mason, the coach for Vanderbilt, he said after the game, he was like, Auburn was very smart to bring Sean White back into the game to play because we didn't have an answer for that passing game, and we felt like we had control of John Franklin III. And I can't really disagree with, what Coach Mason said, how am I going to disagree with an SEC head football coach that, that kind of knows the game a lot better than I do? But do you think Auburn would have lost that game had Franklin stayed in? Man, that game would have been hairy. Like, when, when Auburn went up 23-16, it was like, okay, that's a wrap. We can go ahead and watch other things. Even after the block field, I was like, no, no, it's still over. Um if Franklin had been in there, I don't know if Auburn hits 20 points. So, I mean, you're asking for what, a 17-3 win, a 19-16 win, possibly overtime. You know, I, I really, I mean, he just performed so poorly. And because he's such a poor passer, they were just going to stack the box. You know, oh, well, he's going to try to run. Did. Okay. Yeah. He's going to hand off the yeah, way. Okay. It. You know, I mean, you, you you needed Sean for for that game. You really did. We did, man. You know what was weird, and 
and uh, Quinn, you tell me, when I saw Sean White come in the game and drive him down the field and score that first drive, I felt, okay, God, I, I felt relieved, like, oh, God, so he's okay, first of all. They said he was injured, but he didn't look injured to me, Quinn. He was playing possum. And now going on the road at Georgia, Cam Petway, I don't think he's going to play, guys. That's just my gut feeling. They're saying he's a he's questionable. I'm gonna go ahead and predict it right now. I'm gonna predict the state of Florida, you know, like they did last night. I'm gonna predict that Cam Petway does not play against Georgia. Quinn, my question is, does does Auburn need him to beat Georgia right now? Auburn's a ten and a half point favorite on the road in Athens. I think being on the road focuses this team. I think being without Petway focuses this team, and I think play a bat against Vanderbilt focuses this team. So I think you're going to see a different speed out of this Auburn team compared to Saturday. The game's at 3.30 instead of noon. I like this Auburn team this weekend pretty big over Georgia. I like them big. Big. Uh, well, I Big. Think, <laughs> I think um, from what it sounds like is Putley was able to do some drills, but I think if they don't He's need them this, if they don't need them this week at all, then they're then they're gonna have them. I think he's gonna be suited up just in case they may need them, but I don't think they will. I carry on Johnson's really good, and he's not quite the power back like Petway is, but he can. He has the speed and. He, I, I consider Carrion more of a hybrid. I think he can do both. So I think Carrion will be fine, and he seems like he's almost a hundred percent. And then you have Cam Martin, who's and Stanton Truett, and those guys are both really good speed backs, and can catch the ball. So I, I think they'll be okay with, without Petway, and I think they should rest him up for the Bama game. I think. Well, who, who are you? Who are you picking here, Auburn or Georgia, in this rival game? I mean, if they win this one, going into Tuscaloosa 9-2, and two, probably in the top seven in the poll with a chance to to go to that SEC championship game. What a, what a – I can't believe we're even talking about this right now in November after September. But you're picking Georgia, right? I'm picking uh, – I think Auburn wins by seven – by eight or nine points. I think Jay just barely missed covering the spread. Jonathan, who are you going to take and why here in this game? Georgia's hot right now. They beat Kentucky, don't forget. With Lucas, their kicker. You know, Lucas, that guy, the movie Lucas, that's who he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Georgia's offense issues were not fixed because of what I said earlier. Kentucky's defense is trash, which is amazing since they have a defensive coordinator as a head coach. Um, but I think Auburn's going to shut down the running game. I don't think Easton's going to have a big day in the air. I think the defensive line's going to get up after him. Uh, I think Auburn's going to score enough points. They're going to hit 20-plus. I like Auburn to win here. I like them to cover. You know, th- This could be as ugly as uh, that Florida-Georgia uh, game. Uh, but I think Auburn's a better team than that. So I'm going to say, you know, 27-10, Auburn kind of just coasts in the second half. That's a pretty good prediction right there. I like that. Um, I'll have 34-17 or maybe 30-17, something like that. But uh, it could be worse than that. It just depends on which Auburn team. Auburn knows they have a luxury of a, kind of a bye week, and I think they put the pedal to the metal. Remember, they – 
They rested a lot of players last week. Three linebackers will be back. They should be for this game. People should be 100%. It's all about amen's corner now, guys. Amen corner, Georgia-Bama. And we'll see. Uh, staying in the SEC real quick, Tennessee's at home against Kentucky. Jonathan in a must-win game. There's no going back. Tennessee wins out. I think they're in Atlanta. Favored 13 and a half over Kentucky. I think they steamroll Kentucky in this game. I think Kentucky's done. They're done. Uh, you know, I said last week I like Georgia because Kentucky's doomed to finish five and seven yet again. They're gonna be like the third or fourth <laughs> year in a row. So I'm gonna take Tennessee here just so I can you know keep that prediction alive. Uh, I don't like them to cover though. I don't like that line. I don't like Tennessee. I, I, that team's got some serious issues uh, on and off the field. Not anymore. Not anymore. They got rid of that. Uh, Quinn, who do you like, buddy? Uh, I like Tennessee. Uh, they're at home. I I think they're a lot more talented than Kentucky. I think I think they'll be able to beat Kentucky just on their talent alone. Here's a here's a game that that ought to get Jonathan's attention right here. A noon kickoff in the swamp. Florida favored ten over South Carolina. And now get this, guys. Now get this. You don't see this much in football. The over under in this game is thirty seven and a half. Think about that. Thirty seven and a half. Jonathan, what does that say about the offensive play in this game? Uh, well, it's must chance offense against must chance recruits. So, <laughs> I mean, what that tells me is there's going to be a lot of trash on that field. And you know what? Both both teams kind of are trash. Let's let let's be real for a minute. Hey, easy, easy. I'm working on must champ for an interview next week. Easy, man. Easy. How how is Florida double-digit favorite? I don't know. I can't figure it out. They opened up in a 14-and-a-half point favorite, though, guys. They were opened at 14-and-a-half. And anybody with a brain cell and a dollar in their pocket went and bet on on South Carolina and dropped it down to 10. I would take South Carolina money line at plus 325 in this game. Play 100 on it. Get, get paid 325. Um I'm going to pick the upset in this game. Florida, I think they don't think they can beat LSU. I don't think they want to play Alabama. I think they realize they got some quarterback issues. I think they go ahead and drop this game, Jonathan, against South Carolina. Noon kickoff, the swamp won't be loud, especially coming off a 21-point beat down against Arkansas. I'm pulling the upset. Give me South Carolina. I'll take South Carolina plus the, what is it now, 11 and a half? Yeah, let me get South Carolina plus the 11 Ten. and a half. I'm not willing to – Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'll take Ten them points. plus the 10. I, I'll, I'll take the under as well because I mean, you're essentially asking a team to score 20 points, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, both teams, in all honesty, should just run the ball three plays in a row and punt. That, that's – what the whole game should be. Because if you make your quarterback throw the ball, you're going to see interceptions galore, and that's how points are going to get scored. Um, this is this is terrible. I mean, Florida's garbage. <laughs> Quinn, who do you like? 
I think uh, South Carolina covers the spread, but I think uh, Florida wins. Yeah, yeah, it's just hard to pick Florida right now. But to keep the East interesting, uh, they'll probably win just to keep it for another week. But here's an interesting matchup. You got Ed Orgeron. He's not going to be the head coach at LSU, people. Get over yourself. Shut up. It's not happening. They're going to Arkansas at night. LSU's favored seven. And the reason they're favored seven in this game, because they have a good defense. Uh, They can run the football. And Arkansas can't stop the run. So this line could be misleading to people out there. Um, people may take Arkansas in this game, but it's hard, Jonathan, to know which LSU team is going to show up. I know which Arkansas team is going to show up. Brett Bielema is great in November. Uh, their team has an identity. LSU, I don't know so much about their identity except, okay, Fournette's a good back. Uh, Geis or whatever his name is, is a good back. But they have no quarterback. They can't get the ball to the receivers. But Arkansas is not that great either right now. This, this is a perfect matchup to confuse people. I'm going to take LSU in a close game, but it wouldn't surprise me if Arkansas won, Jonathan. It's just a weird matchup for this type of year, for this time of year right now. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry game, battle for the Golden Boot. Um, I'm going to take LSU to win this game. I, I like them to cover. Arkansas's run defense has actually been pretty bad this year, if anybody's noticed. Um, so I think Until they play Florida and held them to, to 12 yards. They have Florida well, to 12 yards. Florida can't run, though. Like, that's the con- like, that's <laughs> such a mis- uh, and People are like, well, Florida can run the ball and they can play defense. No, they can't run. Like, Florida's offense is ho- – I mean, it is – Florida's off- – I would like to know who's worse, Florida or Boston College, offensively. I really would. I think they're I think they're on the same playing field. And that's saying something. Boston College is ugh. Um so I like LSU. I think I think they're just gonna run the ball down Arkansas's throat. I think it's gonna be a fun game. Um I'm gonna lay the seven knowing that LSU's probably gonna win by like two. Um but I I like I think LSU bounces back after that loss just because Co- you know, Coach O's been telling him, Look, y'all, this is a big rivalry game. Like, you're the one who's Arkansas again? You really because I want to say Arkansas has already beaten them two years in a row, so it's like you want to lose Arkansas again. You you really want to be known as that LSU team that lost for a third year in a row? Well, no, 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 no. Well, playing physical against Alabama, they know now they got to go on the road and play against a physical team in Arkansas, especially on their offensive line. They're gonna they're gonna try to impose their will, but I just don't think they can. Quinn, Jonathan likes LSU. I like LSU. Who do you like? I like LSU. I just think Arkansas's inability to stop the run is is going to be the telltale of this game. I I just think LSU is going to run all over them. I think it'll be close. I but I think LSU covers the spread and wins by ten. Okay, Penn State at Indiana noon kickoff. I think Indiana has enough offense to make this game interesting and close. This is. Gonna tell the sign the the tale of Penn State. I'm going with an upset right here. I like Indiana when they're home underdog at noon when the over under is 59 and they're playing a team like Penn State. Okay, I've got I've done my research on this. Uh, even though Simi Cobbs is out for Indiana, Jonathan, I'm, I'm I'm pulling the upset right now. I'm pulling it. Indiana beats Penn State, knocks them out of the top ten. They'll probably fall to 11. 
after this game, and Ohio State will boost up to number three. <laughs> okay. Um, don't, I'm not going there right now. Um, I think Penn State wins and covers. Indiana is not that – Indiana got a lot of love because they sweep past Michigan State. Michigan State's trash. Michigan crashed. State's terrible. Right. So why, why do people – why would somebody still want to be in the Indiana bandwagons? What's beyond me? Indiana's sneaky. No, they're not. Indiana's really not that good. I think Penn State's <laughs> actually gotten a lot better this year. They have figured out offensively, hey, we really should just run the ball a lot. Our quarterback's a better runner than he is a thrower. Uh, and we have one of the best running backs in the nation, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I like Penn State to win this game. I like them to cover. I, I still believe Penn State's going to finish 10-2. and two. And this is finally the year where Penn State goes 10-2, and two, and it's like I actually picked them to go like 7-5. and five. This is disheartening. Because I've been waiting for a well, Penn James State year Franklin, like this for a little bit. How good of a coach is James Franklin, honestly, Quinn? Uh, the guy uh-huh. won at Vanderbilt, got him to, got him to eight wins. Um, the guy's doing a phenomenal job coaching. But this is Indiana's day right here. Indiana – Okay, they they carried Republican. They they took care of business in the polls last night. They're gonna take care of this seven point <laughs> Saturday. You know, Indiana Indiana at home. They've actually given some teams some troubles at home this year. Um, but Penn State is on a roll. Um, Franklin has really seemed to finally get them going this year. Um, and I think Penn State wins by double digit, double digit, digits. Um, but I, but I could see Indiana keeping it a game for uh, two and a half or two and a half to three and a half yeah. quarters. I could see it being a tight game. And 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 I don't know why I'm hating on Penn State because, like Jonathan said, you know, if you're outside the top nine, it's Thank you. You're, you're lobbying for a position in bowls. You're not a threat to the playoffs. So I'm, I'm doing a little hating right now where I shouldn't be. A um, and M at home, night game without their quarterback. Um, Trevor Knight's out for the season. Old Miss's quarterback Chad Kelly's out for the season. My question is, Jonathan, which one's going to matter the most? I don't think Old Miss can run the football, which is good news for A and M because they can't stop the run. And I just don't think Ole Miss has an identity too much without Chad Kelly. They relied on him every game. But this quarterback that they bring in, they're either going to have to jerk the red shirt off of a freshman, which would you really take a red shirt off of a kid right now if you're, you've are you lost five or six games? Are you really going to take the red shirt off of a kid? Or are you going to put the kid in that's a dual-threat quarterback that can run and throw? I, you remember the one against Auburn, the bigger guy that came in? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I – I want to pick Ole Miss in this game, but I just think A&M at home, I just think they get it done. Um, A&M. Ole Miss, because a and M's going to lose because I said so. Like, there, you have it. You hear it. You, you I heard hope, it here first. I hope so. I, I, I just – look, A&M don't matter. Everybody needs to stop. Let's just not worry about that. They're going to lose the LSU. So, don't, don't worry about A&M too much. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss is 4-5. and five. They're still fighting to be bowl eligible. You know, I, I think this would be a nice feather in the cap kind of win to say, hey, look, you know, the season, it was an extreme disappointment. It was really a failure. 
but at least we can, you know, have a co- you know win win a conference game because they're dead last in the SEC West. I don't know if anybody else realized that. They're they're de- it's not even like they're tied for last. Which is they're not bad. Dead last. Which, which, um, which is no, not bad but, in the SEC West. I mean, Mississippi State's ahead. Ole Miss was supposed to finish in like the top three, and Mississippi State's ahead of them right now. So, you know, I mean, if you're if you're Ole Miss, the season's a failure. Um, you're supposed to win nine, ten games every year. Their their numbers trended up, and this really took a massive step back. So, uh, you know, for Ole, I like Ole Miss to win here. I think this game means more to them than it does A and M because I think A and M at this point realizes we ain't going to the playoffs. Uh, we probably ain't going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. So, what does all this matter? So we can pick which SEC, you know, Florida Bowl game we want to go to. Yeah. Quinn, who do you like in this one? I think A&M wins in a close, low-scoring game. I think with both QBs without their quarterbacks, I think both teams without their QBs, their starting QBs are really going to struggle. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think A&M wins off the last-second field goal. Well, Well, this is the game I'm calling the statement game right here. Washington at home against USC. 7.30 Eastern kick. I think if Washington, what they're going to do is they're going to come in and they're going to take care of serious business in this game. USC is up in the polls now. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Washington to win this game and never look back the rest of the season, Jonathan. If they win, I'm not saying they go undefeated, but I think it's a good opportunity right now against a talented team. A lot of people in America still think USC is the most talented team in the Pac-12. If they blow the doors off this team, I think it'll be enough. They even You never know, even get a one-loss Washington Pac-12 team in. You never know when that one loss may be needed some grace. And I think beating USC's brains out right here on national TV, Fox, I think that'll do that, Jonathan. I'm going with Washington, my three touchdowns in this game. It's not even going to be close. Yeah, I mean, this game being in Seattle gives Washington a huge edge. Um I, I, honestly, I think Washington takes care of business and gets out. Losing Mathis, the outside linebacker, is, is a huge loss. He's been such an integral part of the defense this year. Uh, but the Arnold has been a little prone to turnovers from times. I know they got a good running back in Jones at USC, um, but I think they shut down the passing game. Uh, Washington does. I think they run through this defense with Gaskin. I like Washington uh, to win. I like them to cover. Uh, the eight and a half with ease. Quinn? Uh, I think uh, Washington w- wins by uh, double digits and makes a statement. Yeah. Jonathan, Florida State, you think they cover 21 against Boston College? We're not even going to talk about that since it's Boston College. No. I don't think Florida State can cover against anybody right now. Like twenty one, we can't score in the first quarter. How, we can't score more than ten points, thirteen points in the first half. Like how, how are we going to cover twenty one? We going to score it all in the fourth quarter? Come on! I mean, look, 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 look. Florida State's defense is going to be great. Dalvin Cook's going to get fed the ball a lot. Could they cover it? Yeah, but I'd say it's far away from this game. There's there's no point in betting it. Yeah. All right, Oklahoma Baylor, big game in the Big Twelve. There's two. We got Oklahoma. Uh, Baylor, and we have Texas, West Virginia. 
Quinn, Texas, West Virginia, Texas favorite two at home. West Virginia's climbing in the polls. I think they lose to Texas in this game, and Charlie Strong keeps his job at Texas. Boom. Texas has been doing pretty well these last couple weeks, but uh, I think uh, West Virginia comes in and pulls out the win in the close game. Jonathan? I like West Virginia as well. I, I I just think they have the best defense in the conference. I think their offense is good enough. Um, you know, this, this is a huge game for West Virginia because you know they if they went out, they get to go to Sugar Bowl, and that would mean a lot uh, to this program who's considering firing their coach for the season. Yeah, well, remember we talked about the South Carolina game, the over under being thirty seven. This Oklahoma Baylor game over eighty two and a half. Uh, it's just one of those games you're, you're going to watch. You're going to watch touchdown, touchdown. It's, at the end of the first quarter, it's going to be 21 to 14, Oklahoma or Baylor. One of them will be up by by seven, and then Oklahoma score 21 unanswered. Jonathan uh, go up halftime, 42 to 28, and, and then they'll go on and win the game. But Oklahoma wins, but. Uh, they they've hit their ceiling, man. They're not going to go much further up. They may go up just because of cannibalization in college football, but Oklahoma's terrible. And when I mean terrible, they're terrible. Uh, I like Oklahoma to win this game, but Baylor's going to cover the spread. But there's too many points there. Um, now watch Oklahoma's going to be in like seventy-eight nothing. And you, but, and you yeah, lose I, by forty at home. You've got to fight back, right? You got to have some kind of fight left in you if you're Baylor. Some respect. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And it's a noon game. You know, it's a noon kickoff. The road teams seem to do better at noon kickoffs. Um, would it surprise me if Baylor won this game? No, because I still think this is a decent Baylor team. Now they're without their their best running back because he decided to getting a shoving match with one of the assistant coaches. Um, but, I mean, there's so much talent on the outside. Oklahoma's awful against the pass, and that's Baylor's strength. Um, I don't know if Oklahoma's going to have Nixon or P. Ryan, their top two running backs. That's obviously going to be an issue. Uh, so, you know, I think this is going to be one of those games where Baylor's going to have a receiver with 300 yards. Oklahoma is going to have a receiver with 300 yards. You know, it, it'll be fun to watch. It's a good way to get the day going if, you know, you want to – you know, watch, you know, essentially a pong match going back and forth, back and forth, uh, but too many points, too many points. All right, last game real quick, Oregon-Stanford, Stanford three over Oregon in Oregon. Uh, Oregon needs to win out to be bowl eligible. I think it ends this week. I think Stanford beats Oregon. I just, I just think Stanford gets up and out physicals Oregon this weekend, and I think Stanford wins, Jonathan. I agree. I like Stanford as well, and I like them to cover. Uh, little known, Oregon's one and seven against the spread this year. Their only cover was that Arizona State game. Yikes! Uh, but I like Stanford to win yeah, this game. Jay- I like Jason. Cover. Jason must have lost a lot of money. Quinn, who do you like in this? I like Stanford big. Uh, I could see Stanford winning this game by uh, fourteen plus points. So hello, oh, Stanford's not that good now. Well, Oregon's that bad. I'm not even going to predict Notre Dame and Army, Quinn. I'm not even doing that to you tonight. I'm just going to give you a night off. We're not even going to talk about Army. Army wins. 
<laughs> no, Notre Dame wins. No, Army All wins. Right, let's Army move to the NFL. In San Antonio. Games in San Antonio. What the hell, Notre Dame? <laughs> it's the Shamrock Series yeah. games, so they go random places through the well, it's, Shamrock. It's stupid. How about you actually go play somebody at their stadium, you, you, you cowards? So, Glenn, I'll ask you, is Notre Dame, Dame going to make a bowl? No. I don't think so. I think they beat Army, but I think they lose to Virginia Tech and USC. Uh, no bowl. Well, let's move over to the NFL real quick. Uh, Carolina's at home, guys. They're, they're three and five now. They're starting to play with some kind of urgency, like they 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 know what to do, tackle people, score some points. They play Kansas City. Kansas City's coming in, making that trip all the way over to the East Coast. Jonathan, I like Carolina until until they show me, you know, they're going to lose again. But at home, I just think Carolina's a different team. They're going to be happy to be back home because it's been a while since they've been back home. It feels like, but. I like Carolina to to win three in a row in this one and take care of uh, Alex Smith and the Chiefs. Well, I'm I'm not sure Alex Smith is playing. I think it might actually be Nick Foles. He is. Oh, no, Alex he's playing. Is going to play now? Okay. Yeah, he's playing. Um, well, I mean, if you take away the Browns, Patriots, and Cowboys, I think all these teams, you, the other 29 teams, you're going to lump together, and they're all pretty much in the same boat. And home field hasn't done much, but Carolina's supposed to be a better team here. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Panthers, but I'm not gonna bet this game. This game, it, no. I mean, I still don't trust the Panthers. I don't. You know, they're still crying about Cam getting hit all the time, and it's like, oh, he's a quarterback. He's gonna get hit. Yeah, not that many times though. Without a flag, Quinn, who do you like in this one? I think the Panthers win. All right, the Saints and Broncos. Saints favored two over Denver. I love the Saints, what they're doing right now. Drew Brees is picking people apart. Denver's terrible. I mean, they're they're not that good, guys. I'm going to go with the Saints in this game at home. I just think Drew Brees outscores them. And, uh, Jonathan, I'll go with you real quick. Who do you like? That's another game that I'm having a hard time with. Um I'm going to take the Broncos just because I think their defense can get one more stop if the Saints can. Well, I hope you're right. Quinn? I'm taking the Broncos. All right. If the if the Saints lose this one and the, the Atlanta goes on the road to Philly right now, underdog a point, Jonathan, who do you like in Atlanta-Philly? Carolina, if they win and these two lose, all of a sudden Carolina's only a game out of first place, really. I'm going to lean – Philly here just because it's in Philly. They've been really good at home. They're three and zero. They're three and zero against the spread. Atlanta's actually five and zero against the spread on the road. They have been a good road team, but I think Philly's defense is actually is is better than Atlanta's. I think they're gonna be able to beat up Matt Ryan a little bit. Yep, I like Philly too, Quinn. Uh, I think Atlanta goes on the road and wins. Uh, get out of here. Get out of here. All right, Jonathan. Jonathan's favorite team, the Vikings, on the road against the Redskins, getting three points. 
you'd, you'd have to be crazy not to take Washington. And Jonathan, what's wrong with your phone? It just keeps like thumping or something. You thumping something? I don't think so. Um, it sounds like thump, thump, thump. All right, who do you like? Uh, Minnesota, seriously. Minnesota is, is really struggling right now. They they can't run the football. They can't throw the football. Now they can't stop anybody. So Washington's a good team at home. I've I really like them to cover this spread. Yeah, I'm going to take the Redskins because the Vikings are in a tailspin. I mean, they hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are in a tailspin, and I'm I'm enjoying it. And let everybody know I am. Uh, the offensive line is bad in Minnesota. They're having a hard time running the ball. I think Josh Norman gets an interception. I think Kirk Cousins doesn't have a great day, uh, but I look for uh, Washington to score enough to win this game. Probably you know twenty to ten. Quinn. I like the Redskins also. I uh, I think Minnesota's going so- down south real quick. So, yeah, I think Redskins will win. Well, here's a game that has Vegas written all over it that uh, could be a sucker's bet. Green Bay favored two and a half on the road at Tennessee. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern kick. I like the home team, Tennessee, in this game. Aaron Rodgers, something's wrong with this Green Bay team. I know a lot of people know their name Green Bay. They bet Green Bay. I think they're going to take Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers to beat Tennessee, Jonathan, and I think they come up short. I like Tennessee by a field goal in this game. Oh, I like the Packers here. I think they're going to cover and win. Mike McCarthy uh, has officially been put on notice that he can get that, you know, he's about to get fired. So they, they better start winning. And I, I don't think Tennessee's a good team. I really, I really don't. I, you know, Marcus Mariota is still prone to what kind of throw were you thinking, kid? Moment. Uh, I think Rodgers has a decent day. I think they can run the ball a little bit. I'm gonna take the Packers and win this game and cover. Quinn, you like the Packers? I think the Packers win by a field goal. All right. Well, these next two are the biggest games of the of the weekend, really. And this is kind of a fishy line. Um, Dallas underdogs to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, what are they, 4-4, four and four, something, 500 team. Dallas has shown no signs of slowing down. Dak Prescott looks good. Ezekiel Elliott, this offensive line, the defense is playing well. But Jonathan Pittsburgh comes in as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which makes me want to take Pittsburgh in this game. Maybe Vegas knows something I don't. But it's going to be hard for uh, – for Prescott to go on the road in Pittsburgh in November and actually play very well against a team that really, this was must win for Pittsburgh. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this game and uh, all the controversy starts. Should we bring Romo back? Should we bring Romo back? The answer is no. Uh, You're going to lose a game here and there in the NFL. Jonathan Pittsburgh all the way. I like Pittsburgh as well. They're a much better team at home. They're three and one at home. Uh, they're four and four overall. It tells you how bad they've been on the road. Um, I, I don't think this is a Dak Prescott oops moment. I think this is more of a everybody's going to realize Dallas's defense is okay, not great uh, kind of game. All right, Quinn. Uh, I think uh, I think Dallas wins in a in a 
in us three. I think they win by three points. Uh, I think um, Dallas's ability to run the ball and keep the time and uh, have a lot of time of possession, I think, it will help them keep in Pittsburgh's offense off the field. All right, Sunday night football, the best game of the week. New England is at home against a banged up Seattle team that that can't score. They can't score a lot of points. They they shouldn't have won last Monday night. Quinn, I'm going to go with New England. Tom Brady carves this Seattle team up. Uh, coming back from the suspension, he's lights out. He's about to prove a point. And, and this is a good stage. Nationally televised game. Everybody's going to be watching. Tom Brady and the Patriots may put up 30-plus against Seattle in this game. Who do you like? I think the Patriots win by 10 points. All right, 10 points. Jonathan, uh, that that wasn't your phone, actually. It's Quinn. So, Quinn, check your phone, buddy. Uh, Jonathan, who do you like in this game? See, I always get blamed for everything. Um, (laughs) I I like New England here. I like them to cover. I think Seattle's not that good. to be correct, I mean, yeah, look, they, they're 5 2 and 1. It's like, ooh, see, you know, they won Monday night, and I don't know if they should have. Um, but I, I think New England's just on a mission to, to demo everybody. I think they win by 10. But this is not the best game of the week, Brian. The best game of the week is the Bears and the Bucks. Which team gets their, uh, do the Bears get their first one on the road, or do the Bucks get their first one at home? That's the game I'm going to watch. I'm going to pick the Bears in this game. Call me crazy. Let's bring oh, the Bears fan on. Quinn, Quinn, I mean, I have to have Tampa lose. It helps Carolina. So, are your Bears good enough to go on the road and be a team that can't win at home and your team can't win on the road? So, what gives? Um, the Bears are coming off a bye defensively. They're getting – they're really – they're getting their best players back. They're getting healthy – um, I think Cutler will play another week with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I think the Bears win uh, by seven points. Jonathan, tell me, Quinn's crazy. Can the Bears score seven points? <laughs> Have you seen the Bucks defense, Brian? <laughs> it is. Um... Yeah. It, it, it's a works in progress. I mean, you, you cut Johnson Banks. You you lost two of your defensive ends for the year. Yeah, I mean, look, James is going to play. Mike Evans is going to play. It sounds like Doug Martin might even play. So the Bucks might actually be healthy on offense, uh, which would be nice. Look, the Bucks have been the worst home team in the NFL over the past three years. Think about that for a moment. They were one of the best from the mid-90s through the mid-2000s. Teams did not come into Tampa and win games. You know, everybody's coming down there like it's like, like it's their vacation home. Um, there's probably going to be more Bears fans than Bucks fans in the stands, which is kind of sad. Uh, I, I, look, man, I, 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 I'm going to take the Bucks, and I think it's good for Chicago that they lose because I think at this point they want a higher draft pick. Yeah, and I'm going to go with the Bears in this one because what you said, the Bears off a bye week, the defense can play. But, guys, I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. And I also want to thank Coach Rodney Gardner from Auburn coming on for a great interview. Uh, 
I hope a lot of people get to get to tune in and listen to this interview. Auburn with a big road game at Georgia this week. Um, we, we, we're expecting big things this week in this rivalry and then have a week to prepare for – get two weeks to prepare for Bama. But, guys, thanks for joining us. Please listen in the archives, everybody out there, if you want to if you want to listen to the, one of the best coaches in college football right now. Um, Rodney Gardner, I think, will be at Auburn for a very, very long time. And as long as he's there, guess what? The defensive line and the defense is going to get better and better. So, everybody, God bless. The politics are over right now. We all need to rest since we stayed up to 4 o'clock in the morning. So take care, and we'll be back Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. So, so Jonathan, we won't do an early one this Sunday. 6 p.m. Eastern, market calendars. We'll be on from 6 to 8. Everybody have a great week, and God bless. Y'all have a good one. Yep.